0: From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers Insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the pod, which we've decided to rename Spencer for Hire. There's a colon in that. Spencer is spelled with an S. Do you even know what I'm talking about, Fonseca? Do you know what Spencer for Hire even is? I literally thought you were just making a joke. I've oh, This is a reference? Right. This is a, yes, this is a great 1980s television show. Great, might be strong. It's a 1980s television show about a, a guy who uh, was for Hire, Spencer. He was, you know, he, he did tasks for you. Well,
1: I guess we should I mean,
0: have seen this coming then. Good show, right? Yes. Uh, all right. It's just me and Brian today. We gave Lanny the day off to uh, because we're just going to sit here and scream, scream at each other about Cam Spencer, and figured the two of us could handle that on our own. All right. Here's where I want to start this with Cam Spencer, which which is what I kind of find I don't know a little flabbergasting. But we spent roughly 18 months writing that this was eventually going to happen that someone was going to leave because of nil money. Um, and then when it happened, half the fan base flipped out, like, I can't believe this happened. Um, and it's just, it's just sort of amazing. I just, the coaches warned us about it. The, the collective warned us about it. I mean, the world, the national pundits warned us about it. We've seen it happen in a million other places. And still it was like, it was like the, like a punch to the gut of the Rutgers, uh, collective soul here over this, over what happened with Cam Spencer, taking money, uh, leaving the program. Why don't we just start here? Why don't you just take us through what happened to the best of your knowledge and where we are today?
1: Sure. And I think just to kind of explain the hysteria, uh, I think what adds to it is the fact that cam is probably the last or one of the last guys people would have expected to leave. This is a guy who is not on social media, who when I called someone asking about the situation said, that doesn't sound like cam, you know, a guy who we penciled in on next season's roster. Right. So I think that really adds to the surprise. Well, I understand this entire offseason, as has I think last season, offseason as well, a lot of if not every player on the Rutgers roster, I shouldn't say every player, every major player on the Rutgers roster, was tampered with, was had overtures sent to them, you know, opportunities presented to them, and uh, Rutgers generally avoided it. Uh, they got to the transfer window closing last week, which meant that any player that wasn't a grad transfer couldn't enter the portal, and I think the program really breathed a sigh of relief. Because mm-hmm. there were some shaky moments there, but they looked like they had avoided disaster again for two straight off seasons. And then on Friday, uh, the bombshell drops that Cam Spencer's transferring. I don't know the intimate details because nil, and we can probably dive into this later. Is a situation where no one really knows anything, and numbers are being thrown around. It's like it's like whose line is it anyway? It's n- none of the, none of it matters. It's all just kind of a bunch of noise. I I I, I couldn't tell you with certainty of anything, right? But what I can what I could say pretty comfortably is that Cam Spencer is going is transferring somewhere else, and IL appears to be the main factor because even if I tried to come up with another reason, I couldn't. Uh, he he has a great relationship with Steve Peichel. He had a defined role. Within the team, that probably was going to get even better with the addition of a guard who could actually create space for him. I, th- I think at the end of the day, it was money, and like you said, the alarm bells have been kind of sounding for a bit here. But if it's one thing to hear, it's possible. It's another thing to actually have it happen. And I could, I could really, under, I can understand the the hysteria a bit because things could look a bit bleak without Cam Spencer.
0: Right, and then, but even that was kind of misguided because what 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 turned out, and I think what happened, you know, you talked about it, and I think people didn't understand that. The portal closes, yes, but for grad transfers, they can leave and move at any point in time. And I think that made him, and this is again, this is just trying to connect the dots from the outside. That made Cam Spencer or players like him more attractive, more valuable, so to speak. That the, the door is closed, rosters aren't set uh, for the most part across the country. And, and, and if there's someone who needs Cam Spencer, who by the way, was the leading scorer on a Big Ten basketball team that made the postseason right? So like he, there's some value to Cam Spencer, 43% shooter, the highest efficiency offensive issue by far in the team. And I think that's what happened without knowing what happened. I think suddenly he realized his worth.
1: Yeah. And if that's the case, I don't know if he goes to the Rutgers business school, but it's a great advertisement for a guy with a very shrewd business mind to know that his value skyrocketed overnight. I know people are upset about the timing of the thing. I don't blame Cam Spencer whatsoever for doing what's best for him. Um, this is kind of the, the, I, I understand it from, well, again, we'll dive into this later, but like, it, there's a very, there's a very multi nuanced different perspectives in this. I don't blame Cam Spencer at all for what he did. He's maximizing his, his personal value at a time where I don't know, he's going to chase a professional basketball career. I don't know if he'll ever be able to make the money he's going to make now, you know, wherever he ends up going. So I, I don't blame him at all. And uh, I guess depending on where he lands, we'll
0: go to a place where he probably knows he goes to the NCAA tournament. All right. Let's talk about the one thing I think that aggravated people more than anything else, based on you know what I can only describe as a, a buttload of social media interactions over the weekend, uh, an equally sized buttload of uh, texts so on our tech service and emails. Uh, people are convinced that Cam Spencer did Rutgers wrong by not offering Rutgers the opportunity to match. What whatever money he got. And I want to be clear on something here that we don't know that this is what happened, right? We This is something that Geo Baker threw out there on social media. I was a little surprised to see it out there because he did part of Target on Cam, Cam Spencer when he did that. So we don't know if this was the case or not. So let me just pose it to you. I'm just curious what you think before we go into a long discussion here. Do you think that's something that Cam Spencer was obligated to do when he had an offer to go in there and say to Steve Peichel, hey, I got this money. What What, what is your take on that?
1: If I were offered an astronomical raise at a, by another company, I would not. I mean, I guess I'd walk into my manager's office and tell him. Tell him but if I knew that they had no chance of matching, why would I waste everybody's time And just and do that. And also, what if I'm dead set on going to this other company? I could love the company I'm at a lot, but if I'm dead set on going to the other one, why would I even bring that up? So again, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't know if he did that or not. I don't even know what that means. But uh, yeah, I I just uh, I I, I think it's kind of
0: another. It's not nowhere near as big of a a deal as I think a lot of people made it out to be. I agree. I came back to this, and this is, and and you kind of touched on it, but like if the New York Times came to me tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm going down going down a slippery slope here already with this. If the New York Times came to me Nora, and said we're going to give you a 10% raise, they'd be like, well, I'd, you know, I really love my job. I've been here 25 years. i got to think about that. And I'd have a, I'd have a discussion with my bosses about it and, and a decision to make. If they came in tomorrow and say, we're tripling your salary, I would go into the office with my laptop and cell phone and shake their hands. Like, that's just very simple. And I think the latter, I, based on everything I know about it, I think the latter is far more likely to have happened. And so where I think fans are misguided. And there are many ways I wrote down five different things here about the the match that bothered me. But the first one is very simple. Like Rutgers has had him in the program for a year and set his value. Right. So I don't know what that number is, but that's the first, that's the first thing that had to happen in this equation that they decided and let they decided Cam Spencer is going to make X. Like that's what, that's what Cam Spencer is worth to Rutgers. Um, and then someone came in and blew it away. So, like, why are we like, why are we ignoring that part of the equation where where Rutgers had an opportunity to say, okay, Cam, look at our leading score, we're gonna pay you Y, and instead said, Well, we're gonna pay you X. I mean, I just don't understand. Do you, you, you follow me on that, Brian? It's like, what, like we in this discussion of well, Cam should have asked for a match. People are ignoring the fact that like it's the 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 value was established by Rutgers.
1: Correct. They had, like you said, they've had a huge head start in being able to pay him. Uh, as much as they they want or can, um, and to your point, I, the values in NIL, as I've touched on before, are impossible to know. Like there are numbers being thrown out there that are insane. You know, like Hunter Dickinson. Apparently, I had heard during the season was making eight hundred thousand or a million dollars, and then he goes on a podcast after the year saying he barely made six figures. I have no idea who's telling the truth. I, we don't know the values absolutely for sure, but it's not. It's my my guess, my educated guess is that whatever Cam Spencer is making at his new school or will make is. Stratospheres ahead of whatever he would make here at Rutgers. Right. So I do think if that's the case, if the difference is that fast, to your point, there's no,
0: there's no use in having that, that conversation because it's not, it, it, it's fruitless. And the other, the other thing I've heard a couple of times, and more than a couple of times, about, about a dozen times was, well, Rutgers could have easily matched. And I'm like, I'm just telling you, I, I've got like, I've got, I've got a year's worth of reporting that that t- telling me that that's not true. That's just not easily, to me, easily matched means, oh, we've got this big pool of money here. Cam, you got offered what? Okay. Well, well, you know, here you go. Well, it'll be in your, you know, well, I don't even know how this did they get a paycheck or well, I don't even know how they get paid, but uh, yeah, we got this big, that doesn't exist. Like that's, you know, there's no big pool. There's no big vat of money in the back of the rack where C. Peichel is doling out, you know, like, like, like Jesse Pinkman at the, at the, end, at the end of Breaking Bad. He's not throwing these packs of money out the car window. That doesn't exist. All that aside, like. Whatever x amount of money that Rutgers has, they have earmarked for they already earmarked for players, and I, I am no doubt that a huge chunk of that is going to go to keeping their center, their most important player, Cliff. Right? I mean, so you know, the idea that Rutgers could have easily matched, I, I just don't think that's true. I, I agree. Yeah, and
1: then, and John Newman alluded to this in an interview that I did with him over the weekend, but. Coaches are kind of working with the salary cap now, right? You got to kind of an unofficial salary cap. They have they have X amount of money to work with, and they have to allocate those resources based on what they think you know makes the most sense for the team. Uh, which means that not everybody's mouth can get fed, unless you are the coach of Miami and you have John Ruiz feeding everybody money. And when players complain about publicly not making enough NIL money, he can bring out eight hundred thousand dollars or whatever he allegedly gave Isaiah Wong, right? That doesn't right. that doesn't happen here at Rutgers, and it doesn't happen for most schools, right? Um, it doesn't happen here at Rutgers for myriad reasons that have have, that have been true for decades right but the truth is yes there's no war chest of money and in in no universe could Rutgers have easily matched uh anything cam spencer is getting and honestly probably a lot of players on the open market if they had tested it i'm not sure they could have uh, matched it for a lot of them
0: and you could also make a strong case and this is getting this is also getting overlooked uh that steve peichel shouldn't have matched like that's the other side of this it's like So Cam Spencer has got his what if if he has an offer now, it's likely an illegal tampering, right? It's breaking, it's breaking rules, like someone had to come to him, or someone on in his uh, network of people and say, go into the transfer portal. In a couple weeks, come out, we'll pay X. If that's what happened, and I don't know that's what happened again, we have not been able to reach Cam Spencer. No one's talked to Cam Spencer, but if that's what happened, then that's 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 an offer that's breaking that is broken NCAA rules. Um, so you're telling me that like he's supposed to go in there and say, Hey, look, I got this offer, coach, that I'm not supposed to have. Can you imagine? Like, like Steve Pichel would be in every every right to say, Look, we're not going to do that, like because then that opens the door to somebody else coming in <laughs> like this is, this is like a slippery slope so i'm like I, I i just i just don't know how that works on the ruckers end either
1: yeah no i i agree although i i am i'm am a bit uh I, the word illegal tampering is kind of everyone's tampering if everyone's tampering is it illegal you know is, is it I really mean, that
0: tactically yeah i mean uh, sure but <laughs> you make a great point it's certainly
1: not enforceable sure if, if cam spencer goes to steve pico says x schools offer me x money what, he's going to record the conversation. And call the NCAA. They'll probably laugh in his face anyway, right? So that's another that's another thing. But yes, uh, if Rutgers couldn't match the initial offer, imagine a bidding war. Like they wouldn't. And again, they have limited money. They have a lot of decisions to make with that money. And uh, unless someone at Rutgers wins the lottery or events vitamin water, this is going to be the truth right. for the foreseeable future. So they have to make decisions based on the what they have and the projection of what they'll have.
0: Invents vitamin water. That's very funny. All right, let's, and let's go to that. That, That's a good transition because um, John Newman, the head of the Knights of the Raritan um, collective made news this weekend as well from, I think, Sicily. So you guys want to know how dedicated your, your, uh, your collective's head is that he is sitting uh, in a a life, a a vacation of a lifetime, uh, talking to, talking to. Let me just tell you something. If I'm in Sicily, Brian, I love you. We've worked together for years now. I'm just, I'm not, i just, don't, don't call me when I'm in Italy. I just want to just put that out there to begin with. Right. Well, two things.
1: One, my name is kind of Italian. So it's kind of, it's probably fit the ambiance of where he is. Two, he was in Rome because I remember telling this him in Rome. Okay. When, when you're combating all the texts you're getting, imagine, you know, channel the, the, the energy of the ancient gladiators in the Colosseum. <laughs> I've ever telling him that. And three, he called me. All right, let's let's keep this. <laughs>
0: I called you right? from Rome. I love it. That's even better. It's I
1: even in, better. I don't interrupt people's uh, vacations. All right, if you call me while I'm in Portugal this summer, I will be very upset. I will answer, but I will be very upset if I can get reception in my father's very tiny village amongst the sheep.
0: That's that's just great. You know, what it's it's going to be it's going to be something like this that we're going to have to call you in Portugal. It's going to be hilarious. Uh, all right, so John Newman uh, came out, and and what I thought was you know a. a number on back of the number back of the uh, napkin kind of numbers about what Rutgers is going to need going forward. Um, And that it's $10 million a year. Uh, give me the, give me the breakdown. What, what did John say about this and how, and how this, how this works as far as what he thinks the future of the NIL thing situation is. Sure.
1: And I, I, again, I keep repeating myself. This is an inexact science. Uh, these are all estimates, but based on conversations he's had with coaches At Rutgers with coaches at other schools, they have relationships with. Uh, Newman says that John says they have a a very open line of communication with these coaches. His estimation is $10 million a year in NIL revenue to be split roughly six to seven million on football, two million on basketball, and then the remainder on wrestling and women's basketball. Women's basketball is making an absolute killing this offseason. I don't know how much NIL has to do with it, but they're making a great uh, killing there, just an aside. Um, Rick General has said publicly. I think you wrote this column last summer that he needs millions. I don't know if he's ever specified publicly, at least how many millions, but that number sounds about right. That's a lot of money, especially when you know Newman tells me that in their first year they've they have about 1.5 million. And again, I can't. I, I have not verified those numbers. I have not seen the books. I don't know if that's all cash on hand. I don't know if that's all pledges. I don't know how much of the split is there. I don't know. But if that number is true, which I, and even if it's on the conservative side. That's not quite 10 million, so... No,
0: right. Yeah. And he made the point to you that it's not sitting in some in some Swiss bank account collecting interest. It is. It comes in and it goes out pretty quickly.
1: Correct. Yes. I, I imagine they've... I mean, they have a deal or they've pledged to have a deal with every player on the football and men's basketball teams. That, that, that'll that make the money drive pretty quick. I think that's what he said. That, that was the exact quote, right? When the money comes in, it yeah. comes out pretty quickly. So Right.
0: Uh, and this is fascinating. This is a fascinating debate. And this is one of... Got an email from like, all I can describe it as like a forty year die hard, like the like, one of the perfect Rutgers fans and I'm I'm not I'm not going to name him <laughs> he probably would let me but I'm guessing that everyone who listens to this podcast knows has encountered this, this the great fan and he was just he asked me a question It's like a very simple like he says I'm retired I've supported Rutgers I give scholar support scholarships for football men's basketball women's soccer I've got a set number of money that I can do this. So and the, his question was simply, So assuming for a moment that the pot of money that goes to Rutgers is a fixed size, should we reduce donations to these programs and direct money to eternal Nil affiliated scholarships? This is the central question in Piscataway right now, right? I mean, this is this is it. This is the heart of it. like, and I think I know that Rutgers, the administration, Pat Hobbs, everyone in that side of the building is saying no to that or at least not saying, not encouraging people to do that for probably some obvious reasons. I think the coaches right now have reached the point that their answer to that question might be yes. Do you think that's the correct characterization? I think the answer to
1: that question from coaches is, hell yes, please give me as much NL money as I need because I'm drowning over here because everyone else has all this money. Um, I do feel for the fans. I really do. And I can understand the complete desperation they're feeling in that they're giving this money and they're just watching, you know, stuff like this happened. The reality is that, as as the director said, all these small contributions they have, these monthly $10, $20, $50 memberships, they all matter. They all count. I'm not discounting that. But when you're going against the St. John's, which has, again, the vitamin water guy who's worth a billion dollars and could cut a $10 million check off dividends alone that's just sitting on his his Swiss bank account or his bank account in the Maldives or whatever. He probably has multiple bank accounts in the Maldives. Right. It's impossible for small donors to compete with that. So I could, I could totally understand the absolute desperation that fans feel in, in this situation. Of course. Uh, right. And I can understand also the administration side of that, as we've touched on before, Rutgers for decades historically has been a very small donor base and money has been very difficult to raise for every project, for facilities, for, for, for everything, right? So adding everything. in-, uh, in
0: University-wide, historically, 50 years of, pro- yeah, this is a problem forever. Yeah. Sure.
1: Yes. And you could, we could delve into the reasons why that'll take a whole other three episodes of the podcast anyway. But the point is right. there's not a lot of money to be going around and to add another revenue stream that needs money and needs it desperately uh, right. makes for a very difficult situation. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, And I don't know what the, like I, I, we are, this podcast is more likely to win a Pulitzer prize for commentary than the collective is to, to bring in $10 million. Like I it just, that's just not going to happen. Like it's just not going to happen. I mean, and I like our podcast, Brian. Right? I think, you know, maybe in the right category. If there is a podcast, if there is a Pulitzer category for best Big Ten uh, podcast, football, basketball podcast, we've got a shot. I think we got a shot to be a finalist at least, but we're not going to win. A, we're not going to win. A, the point being that they're not going to write $10 million. I mean, it's just not, I've seen nothing, seen nothing in the history of Rutgers athletics to make me think that that's going to happen. So I don't know. So I, the question is like, what now is the answer? Like, what do you do? And I, I guess what you're doing is you're doing what, what these coaches have had to do find a way to adapt plug holes when you can and hope for the best. Right. And I just don't know what the answer is. Yeah. I mean,
1: you have to keep plugging, plugging away, right. Keep trying. Cause I mean, as much as you are behind when you are trying, imagine if they're not trying and they didn't have this 1.5 million or however much money they have in the coffers, right. They'd be, you know, infinite steps behind. Right. So uh, I got to just keep plugging away again. You got to hope the lottery hits somewhere in Piscataway. You got to hope that, um, uh, I don't know. Maybe an NFL alum donate some money. You got to find, go through the couch cushions. Um, they find corporate sponsors. I know that's something that yeah. the Knights of the Raritan are looking to do. Uh, they have to try to convince, and that's another issue here at Rutgers in that they're in a pro market. We've heard this a hundred times. They're people that would rather give, they spend money on the Giants, the Jets, the Mets, the Yankees, the Nets, the Knicks, everything. Whereas if you go to Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska is the Giants, the Jets, the Yankees, the Mets, the Rangers. The they're all that together, right? Yeah. So it's hard to convince. It's a lot easier to convince local businesses there to contribute to the Huskers than it is here at Rutgers, but you got to figure it out. You know, you're in the big 10, you're competing. And if you want to be a competitive program, you got to figure it out, you know, that no one is crying for you in the big 10 office. So I don't Uh, know how I'm not, I'm not paid anywhere near enough to figure that out, but someone's got to figure it out. If Rutgers is going to have any prayer of maintaining competitive in this environment.
0: All right. Let's talk about the impact on the team. We haven't gotten there yet uh i was thinking about it and you're to tell me i'm telling tell me i'm wrong on a scale of one to ten with one being it doesn't matter and ten being absolutely catastrophic i am closer to the middle of that range than i was when i first heard this news just thinking about you know where this team is headed give me a number from one to ten where you think it is i'd
1: say seven and a half to eight
0: you think, think it's that high okay
1: I think Cliff is easily the most important player. And if he does not come back, then I could really start sounding alarm bells. I think that team is in a very difficult spot. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Cam is a very important player in that he had the best three-point shooting season that this program has had in a decade. And they still were in the bottom quarter in the country in three-point shooting percentage. Uh, They better hope that Gavin Griffiths, who apparently is a sharp shooter in high school, is the reincarnation of Larry Bird and be able to shoot very well for three to kind of, keep up the, pace, the already bad pace they have of shooting threes. If Gavin mm-hmm. Griffiths isn't able to shoot, you know, 37%, 40% on threes, then they're going to be really bad shooting. Right. And that's, uh, as, as we've discussed ad nauseum here, offense is a very much a struggle for this, for this program. They've added Noah Fernandes, sure. And in all in the, out of the portal, they've added Gavin Griffiths at a high school. Uh, they should be able to help, but to lose, a really good three point shooter in a program that hasn't had any good, good three point shooters recently. Uh, it's a blow. It's an undeniable blow. And I think people tr- maybe try to downplay it, saying that he's not, you know, he doesn't provide the athleticism to drive to the basket. He can be a bit of a liability defensively at times, although he was a pretty good stealer. I just think it's, yeah. I think it's a blow. I think you lose a starting guard on a team that's not very deep that can't shoot very well. Uh, I'm not sure how you could spin it. Is it not being a blow? And especially right. here's where I agree with them about the timing it's May and the portal's closed. And the options, the pickings are slim. There are yeah. not many 40% shooters in the portal. I'm not sure how they're going to replace him, but they're going to need to add a body somehow.
0: Right, right. And that, yeah. Uh, it, and fans are, and I, again, I think this is just misguided, but fans are vilifying him for that. And the only thing I can say, that the only thing I have to say about that is that, you know, there was a time not very long ago that if Cam Cam Spencer's mom got cancer and he wanted to drive her to, her chemotherapy sessions that he he would have to ask for permission and might not be, it might not be granted. Like this is just look, this, this the power has been a hundred percent in the other direction for, for forever. And the idea now that finally these, these guys have free range of movements for whatever reason they want. I don't know. I just cannot feel bad for, for the coaches who have to deal with it, I just don't. I mean, I, this is just this is the, this is the correction that has been overdue forever. So boo him if you want. Like, I guess that's like I'm gonna. He's a professional athlete. I'm gonna head into the rack and okay, great. That that is your you pay for the ticket. But I'm just telling you, if he was your son and he made this decision, you might be like, yeah, you know, okay, that's I, I, you know, that's just the other side of it. Sure, I, I'm all, I'm with you. I I think it would be awesome
1: if Cam goes to a place that he does end up going to the rack and he gets booed to oblivion. that would be awesome. Great sports moment. I think really, I mean, to be a sports villain, I think he'd love that too.
0: I think he might love it. You're absolutely right. He might
1: relish that moment. I I'm telling you, um, the, the interesting thing, and not to deep, dive too deep into the political aspect of this, but it's very funny that we live in a country that's very capitalist and very free market and all these things. Everyone's individualistic, except for your sports team. Everyone has to do the yeah. greater good and stay with the team right. and, and, yes. and you know, be part of a you know d- make sacrifices for my team, not for other teams. You no, know, Fernandes could leave right. UMass and come to Rutgers. That's perfectly fine, but don't you dare leave Rutgers. You know.
0: Right and then we got and yeah, now we're going to start celebrating. We got guys in that team that didn't ask for a penny. Well number one we don't know that to be true again like I think that that's another fallacy. And number two I I mean is that is that is that a sign of like a, a higher level of character that like I just don't understand like I just don't understand that. Like what why does that make someone a better person that they they want to play for free? Like I just don't I just don't get that either. Like it doesn't make you a better person it makes you a chump. <laughs> you can make a strong case about that, absolutely. Or you know, or or motivated. It's okay if you're motivated by something else. Like I'm motiv- I love Rutgers. I want to stay here. I recognize that my 30 year relationship, 40, 50 year relationship with this place is more important than a six figure payout today. That is the decision you're making long term about your life. That's a decision that Geo Baker's capitalizing on. You know that uh, that you're going to see a handful of players who are going to recognize that. But I'm just telling you that that's not everyone's decision and it's it if you're vilifying him for taking the money I think you're just crazy yes all and right it, it, look,
1: it's not it's not an exact comparison <laughs> but 99 of the people that are talking about this if they were offered a significant race to go somewhere else from their job none of them would say I'm loyal to my company I just love Xerox I can't dare go to Gillette or you know whatever it's a bad comparisons but my point right. being that of people would do the exact same thing in this situation. And just because he plays for your favorite college doesn't mean he should live abide by some different arbitrary rules, uh, to make you feel better. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Uh, that was good. Good segment on this. We're going to dive into the, uh, insider questions. Um, very passionate responses to this topic, uh, in the insider. Thank you for subscribing as always. Um, and most of the questions were better than they So I'm just going to go through them here and 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 see and see what we got. So this is and another logistical question. Like so, I I was I was and I really didn't think I was trashing Rutgers to be honest with the column I wrote. But I was you know why do you trash why are you trashing Rutgers if you didn't give the chance to program to match? We talked about that. But the next question was, are we supposed to check on every player daily to take their temperature? That's not possible. The Helix is coming! That's right! Ground is broken, foundations are being laid, and the plans are being realized. For those that have not yet heard, the Helix is a new innovation district in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Smack dab in the middle of the Northeast Corridor, the Helix is a place for innovators to gather and innovation to take action. It offers a range of physical environments, a vibrant innovation community, and a strategic central location in close proximity to New York, Philly, Boston, and D.C., the Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments, creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others are already signing up to call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health. Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is coming. Visit helixnj.com to learn more. Um, I'm just telling you, that's what that you might say is not possible, and that's just that's that's the climate. That's it. That that's the climate we're in. When the portal opens, Brian, when when it opens, that's all anyone talks about for two months. Like that's it. That's the entire that's the entire sport of college basketball right now. We think March Madness and the brackets are the big thing. The players are the players are looking at this. Like I just don't know any other way, any other way to put it. This is it.
1: We have athletic departments putting together graphics saying kids are coming back to school.
0: Right? Yes. <laughs> Great point. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: This is the reality. I, I, I'm not sure what rock people have been living under for the past year. This is this it, it's only gonna get worse until there are guardrails being put up. Shout out Dan uh Dan Wetzel. Guardrails. That's uh, so those are being brought up. Nothing's going to change, right? Like, and I, I, do you, do you trust the NCAA to do anything to make, to, to limit this?
0: I, I mean, I, of course not. No, because they, they've sat and they tried, they tried to prevent it from happening for 75 years. So, I mean, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. They've shown, they've shown no sign.
1: Um, right. So this is just yeah. what it's just. This is what it is. And coaches are right. going to have to talk to their players regularly, maintain those relationships they claim to always have with their players. you know, kind of ch- check it out. And look, sometimes players aren't going to be honest, right? Sometimes players are going to pretend like they're happy and then they're going to have a back they're going to have their AAU coach or their parents or whoever talking to other schools about potential packages. Like that it is what it is, right? right. This is the new reality. And look, I, again, I don't blame fans for being frustrated. I don't. I totally it's totally reasonable to be upset about this dude. I'm it's just It is what it is. It's what's, it's what's happening now. And for the foreseeable future, until something changes, it's just the the new reality of college basketball.
0: All right. So we got about six questions on the something changes part. Rocco in Florida. uh, Obviously there are schools who cheat and also have a lot more money than Rutgers does. My question is, do you foresee a situation where schools similar to Rutgers force changes or the NCAA finally does its job and levels the playing field for all schools uh, Brandon and Branchburg. does Shouldn't the NCAA reinstate the rule that players are required to sell your if transferring? I know it's different in Cam's case because he's a grad transfer, but does did the, the NCAA want all these moving pieces? Of course, the answer is no to that part. Um, the first part is, I think, and I've heard this after I wrote the column, I, I must have gotten a half dozen calls and every one of the, every person who called me said the same thing of some, some variation of this is not sustainable. Uh, and I agree with that. Like, I don't, Like it's not sustainable for for college sports for the donors at big programs. Like eventually, like people are going to see they're not getting a return on money. Yeah, I mean, just there's so many things here that could happen in the next five years. Um, I think it's though, and I I do I do believe this. I think there's like a feeling at places like Rutgers. I'm not just lumpy. I'm not just saying at Rutgers, but I think at places like Rutgers where they're just if they think they're going to wait this out, that's a that's a poor strategy too. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't see any like I don't see anybody writing a national the people I respect, the national experts saying, oh, yeah, this is going to in five years from now, we're not going to have this anymore. Like I don't see that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And it's unsustainable for a lot of places. Yes. If you depend on, you know, small time donors to kind of pull their money together. I agree. If you're Arkansas and you have, you know, Walmart backing you, I don't think Walmart's coffers are, are ever going to. um uh, dry up if you have if you're a Texas school with an oil baron alum who makes billions of dollars a year, I don't think his money's ever going to dry up either. And I don't think they're gonna, and, and and also, like, people have been donating money to schools for zero return for decades. I don't understand this idea that people are going to stop giving money. Like, when, when has that ever stopped these these uh, you know, caviar eating donors at North Carolina and Michigan and and Texas and Texas AM and Arkansas and Miami from giving money?
0: Hey, what. We're we're a wine and cheese crowd, at Carolina. Not, we're not caviar, okay? Let's, let's just get this clear. We're we're more of a brie cracker kind of. Um, but yeah, you make a great point. That's um, just not that. Just that is something that's always and it's the egos. It's like why is this guy for? Why is the St. John's? Why is the vitamin water guy buying a basketball team for St. John's? Well, because he a he can and b, I mean I'm sure he's got a hall of fame coach kissing his tucis uh several times a day and that's ego it's just one thing they can spend their money on so yeah i i think you're i think you're right to suggest it is people who are saying this is an unsustainable are correct but not everywhere in some places it's going to be pretty sustainable Uh, and that's (laughs) that's the problem all right this is a great question and we don't know the answer to it but we lost a four-star recruit to uh, during the spring and now spencer how can a fan get excited about the 2024 class coming next year when it can all fall apart in an instant? It's a I mean it's just a great point because Rutgers is on the verge with Ace Bailey, Dylan Harper. Like this is like this is what if you're a fan, this is what keeps you. Engaged, like all right. Well, we we are at the verge of a breakthrough. Like that's where Rutgers. You you felt like where Rutgers was, even with the end of last year. And I know I wrote that it was a step back and it was a step back. But you know, you you feel like this is building towards something. Should Rutgers fans now? I mean, look at that differently. Like the idea that this super class is is just just a, a phone call away from breaking up. I will not tell fans how to live their fandom. I will say.
1: Here's my advice. If in July, when Dylan Harper allegedly is, is uh, planning to commit somewhere, if he chooses Rutgers, I don't think Rutgers fans should withhold their excitement because all the, he, he might not sign. I think pe- people should be as excited as they were when Ace Bailey committed. But that being said, I don't think anybody should start counting their chickens before they hatch and start buying Final Four tickets for 2025 until in November, Ace Bailey and maybe Dylan Harper and Delquan Warren and Lathan Somerville sign their letters of intent. As we saw with Bang Dongo, nothing's official until you sign your national letter of intent. And even when you do, these kids are beginning out of them at record pace, right? Like uh, Mbaco from Duke got out of his NLI and I was at Indiana, right? So even when you when you have them in the bag, you don't necessarily have them in the bag. It's a difficult, it's very difficult. I guess the timeline is just being pushed back and people should not be excited that there are players on their team until they literally see them in a Rutgers uniform on the first day of the uh, first game of the season. Yeah.
0: Right. And then and then and don't count on them being the first day of the next season. That's the other part of it. Like you enjoy them while they're there, because chances are they're, they're going to move that. This is this is the new era of college. You don't have them for five years. Um, but I will say to the point, to the original point about recruiting, like this has always been like, I don't know that this is any different. Like it, if this were 1997 and you got Dylan Harper, you really I mean, are you really less worried then? I mean, you know, look, this. There's always been money out there for Dylan Harper. <laughs> like this is, that hasn't changed. I think one thing you have on your side is this family is not this is this is a different situation. This is someone whose son is an icon so someone whose brother is an icon in the Rutgers program, a family that I don't I can't say doesn't need the money, but is' not motivated first and foremost by the opportunity to cash in here. Uh, that's been wired differently from the beginning. I mean, this kid playing at Don Bosco and not playing at some sports academy in Florida. Like there's a million reasons to think that, that Dylan Harper and the Harper family is different than any other big name recruiters, why they have a chance to begin with. So I would keep that in mind when you're thinking about this. That said, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no, there are no guarantees in recruiting even, even after they've signed these days. So get used to that. That's going to be part of the fandom.
1: And I would say that uh, basketball recruiting used to be pretty solid. If a kid committed somewhere, he was staying committed. That has obviously changed a bit recently as Rutgers fans have learned. Um, So that's kind of, I think that's where there's some pause there. Um, And look, I'll say this, like the hardcore members of the Rutgers fan base, they survived the Eddie Jordan era. They survived 30 years without NCAA tournament. I can understand the, you know, the, the, the fear of kind of losing interest here. I think uh, you'll be in the rack in November and December, let's be real here. All right. Like it'll be tough. A lot of these people will be there. Right.
0: Right. And and also keep in mind during the old era, your teams, your team Went 30 years without getting into the play tournament, so it's not like well, oh, we had it wired back then. <laughs> you know, like these changes are screwing with us. No, yeah, the system was in place for 30 years, and you, you, so just, yeah, have a little perspective there. Uh, all right, so a lot of questions, and I don't know if you can answer any of these. Probably, I'll give it a shot. A lot of questions, like what can we, where can we get the money? Like Todd and Little Egg Harbor wants to know. If 10 million is needed right now that only grow, how can average fans with disposable income help get to that level? How is that sustainable? Uh Anthony from Rockaway, you know, heard that other schools are re- redirecting advertising revenue to NIL. Have to think that's going on and we should start. I didn't hadn't heard that one, Anthony. That's interesting. I'm not uh, but, sure that's illegal. Right. And Peter in Palm City says, Do you think network executives are going to be happy spending money? Millions when all these TV sets are turned off at halftime when we play Ohio State. Okay. So uh, his point being system will, the system will change driven by the TV revenue because TV revenue drives everything. All right. Lots, uh, lots to unpack there. But I guess, yeah, the first part, the TV money, let's go there. I just don't think Rutgers has been trailing, but trailing at halftime by 42 points to Ohio State forever. And they got the biggest. TV contract of all time. So I don't know that NIL money changes but people want to watch this. Who is turning the game off at halftime? I mean, I've tried many times when I'm there, but the
1: 50,000 Rutgers fans, or maybe uh, are the 10 million people watching for Ohio State turning it off, or the 20 million gamblers who have Ohio State minus 14 and a half? Are they turning it off?
0: 14 and Um, a
1: half. when, When Rutgers was god awful and losing, like you said, losing these games on a weekly basis. That didn't really hurt the tv revenue people are gonna watch college sports no matter what all right like and and the the hardcore portion of the fan base makes up a fraction of a percentage of the entire you know college sports watching industrial complex right like right the tv execs are doing just fine
0: yeah yeah uh and by the way just like with just like with the nfl like this free agency is just more attention. It's just more attention. Something else to talk about in ESPN in May. So this is another thing that just makes college football a year-round sport. So keep that in mind too. This is not necessarily a bad thing for attention and eyeballs. It's it's a bad thing. Most people agree it's not great for uh for college in college sports in general, college football in general for for all this movement, but it's you know, we're talking about it. Um the other part, so Anthony just about you know, directing advertising revenue. I don't know if that's possible. Then um, this is only tangentially related, but it just popped in my head. Greg Sciano uh, had said something on a podcast recently about college athletes unionizing, and he was in favor of that. And I just think that's like an interesting side of it, like that athletes were going to start to have to protect themselves as well for for what's happening here, you know, that they they might need some uh, some formal way to make sure they get this money too, to keep them from getting screwed. So like, there's another side of it as well. I don't know if you, did you hear Shiano's comments about that?
1: I did. And I think it's a very interesting concept And I think it would, in, in an ideal world where it happens, would be beneficial to college athletes. I'm not entirely sure the structural changes that would need to like, would college athletics need to be separated from universities? Would um, college athletes be treated as workers, employees? How would that affect their student status? It's, it's a whole uh, complicated web that, uh, I haven't really thought through, but I have heard, I heard the comments and I thought I think he's right. I think in eventually when this all gets sorted out, that that might be the best solution.
0: All right. And we got one haha funny one. Uh first of all, thanks to CJ and Basket someone else who came up with Spencer for Hire. I appreciate that. Uh, but the other podcast, I don't even can we even call them the Ruckers. Is that even a podcast anymore? Do they read I don't think they record podcasts? But it was a funny question. If you could, if you could come up what what fast food restaurant? is Rutgers in the grand scheme of the pecking order. I think that's a good, I think that's a good topic. Like what, what would you put if you had to name one fast food restaurant to, that would some summarize what, what Rutgers is, what, what would it be? This is incredibly difficult to come up with on the spot. Um, of course. Do you have an answer? The, well, I mean, I was thinking, of course I spent all weekend thinking about this, not really, but um, I think it's kind of like, I want to go like, kind of like a Burger King situation, right? Like it's, it's it's just like a it's like a it's always there a solid option that's always there. But I don't know if you're like, hey, let's go to Burger King. You know what I'm talking about? That might be that might be where I might be where I end up. Burger is
1: King. The, is there a fast food place that like originated the hamburger, but is either out of business or
0: <laughs> very low on the total pole? You mean like the first, like now the first fast food place? I don't know. That's a great question. Like Roy Rogers. It's a good, like everyone loved, like, yeah, Roy Rogers situation, but now no one can get Roy Rogers. I don't know. But did Roy Rogers
1: ever have a dynasty? I'm being very careful here because I don't want to like, you know, know. McDonald's is like the Ohio state, right? They're, they were one of the first and they've been great for generations. Right.
0: Yeah. But you know, but that's a problem too. That's problematic because if you're going to say Ohio state, I mean, McDonald's sucks. Like no one wants to eat McDonald's. Like that is that a fair comparison for Iowa State? They're they're like a high level of excellence. They, they to to lump them in, to lump them in McDonald's. I I get what you're saying. They are the powerhouse though. So maybe that maybe that's fair. I would even say maybe McDonald's is the Alabama of uh of 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 fast food. There uh, you go. Just unavoidable. Yeah, that's good. It's just an unavoidable, always there. People are always gonna get it. Yeah. I think I think that's probably a good that's a probably good level there. Alabama's as McDonald's. Everyone hates them, mean, but they still dominate. And the people right.
1: that like them really like them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean you can make the Jersey Mike's comparison for for Rutgers. It's just kind of kind of a factor in this area, but then I see it other places too. Um I it's
1: a flawed question, if you ask me.
0: Taco Bell. Taco Bell is Clemson. Okay. Taco Bell is because it gives you the runs but is that what uh white castle what's the white castle look out sports i love white castle quick and dirty um i love it dirty florida Florida state State. get a crave case and just uh go to town on those 30 mini hot hot hamburgers Um, oh that's ucla this is like someone a bleacher report is going to do this tomorrow i mean i should have done that story Who's the Who's the guy that makes all those bogus lists that people get so mad about? <laughs> um, <who laughs> or you need to tell me. There's only one guy doing that. Is that what you mean to tell me? It's like there's an entire cottage industry of that guy making those bogus lists. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. It's incredible how confused people get with that stuff. Like, I've made a. Bu- I've made a few over the years. Uh great question. I don't know. Send it in your comments. What fast food restaurant is Rutgers? That's good. We could do the whole hierarchy. Someone should do it for the entire Big Ten. Like, what is mission Michigan? Michigan Michigan like a subway? Just kind of like a basic meal that you can get anywhere that you're never excited about. Is that like a Michigan meal? Michigan's high end stuff, no? They're high they're okay.
1: They're they're low brow food with high, high brow um uh perception. Like uh they got Chipotle, you know, it's fast Chipotle. casual. That's not a great comparison, but I'm trying to think of like – they're like Fridays, you know? They're like a sit-down place, but you're still
0: eating fast food. Yeah. I think that – I think Indiana would be White Castle because every time I eat it, I want to throw up all over my shoes. But that's a good one, right? All right. There you go. That's our best stab at that. Uh, I I think this segment has run its its course. (laughs) Much like White Castle (laughs) will run its course through you if you have it exactly all right uh that's all i got from questions thanks for asking do we have any other topic anything else going on football recruiting, oh, football the sporting, recruiting they got uh
1: they got a uh, big time wide receiver out of uh division two
0: Okay, that twarded. is a huge story yes tell me about him
1: yeah jaquay jackson is a d2 all-american a guy they uh pursued for about a month they had him on a visit originally i believe and then he went to miami and uh i believe AM or colorado a, a bunch of schools that are very active in the nil market and he chose Rutgers because uh he's motivated to make it to the nfl and he believes that greg Schiano and dave brock who are guys that were in the nfl have nfl experience have set guys to the nfl uh can take him there and yeah. it helps that Rutgers has an enormous hole at the yes. top wide receiver spot that he can fill in from day one gives uh gavin wimset a weapon that he desperately needs and uh, I think the next step here is if they can get an offensive tackle, they would uh, get him out of the portal, maybe upgrade at safety. Uh, but they made a huge addition with Jaquay Jackson, beat out some big schools, and uh, they'll hope that he is their first big-time wide receiver since maybe Bo Melton. I would argue maybe Leonte Carew was their last true big elite yes. wide receiver. Maybe that's a bit of the big aspirations to put on the kid, but I think that's uh, <laughs> they'll
0: go a long way in, in helping this yeah. offense. And it's just an encouraging, like a threefold encouraging thing. Like this, the, the 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 first part about this being that he walks on campus as like the second most important player or the program behind the quarterback. I mean, that's how huge it was to get a big name receiver. The other part of it is like he had he could have gone to Miami, and I'm sure gotten more like This is old, going back to the, you could have gotten more cash there, but he's recognizing that he has one year to do this and he can't sit behind six other guys. So this is still like, what does Rutgers have to offer? It's the same thing Rutgers has always had to offer an opportunity. So this kid's coming here knowing that he's going to get, I mean, assuming they ball throw the ball 15 times a game, he's going to get, you know, a bunch of targets. He's going to have a chance to, to showcase himself and that he's betting on himself. So that's, that's good news for Rutgers recruiting in general. Seems like it's been pretty good news for Greg great channel. Well, they, I saw Todd today had him in the top 30, top 35 uh, right now for that, for that class. twenty twenty-four.
1: Sounds about right. And they're having a lot of, uh, a lot of kids coming in next month uh, on a bunch of official visits. And they're in it with a lot of uh, top highly talented kids in the area in New York. Uh, they're going out to, uh, they offered a kid from North Carolina. It seems like they're really spreading their footprint around the country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Again, as we've established, it's it's not over till it's over, but they are in it for a lot of kids, and if they can lock up some of these kids and get commitments over the next month or so, uh, they'll continue on a pretty good pace uh, in the 2024 class, uh, and then hopefully in December for them, they'll be able to close out and get those signatures, but uh, they're in a good spot. I would say that they're in a, a good spot right now as far as uh, recruiting, and um, whether they're in a good spot for the 2023 season, they're in a better spot with Jaquay Jackson, how much better, uh, I guess we'll see in uh, in August. All right, anything else? Uh, I mean, I mentioned it before, but Cocos Washington is crushing it on the recruiting trail and has completely flipped that roster. It's very impressive. Um, got a couple of big-time transfers, got a couple of uh, strong high school recruits, uh, four-star 2023 signee they got last week. Um, really? Yeah. Uh, the girl kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, they re- she rebuilt that roster. She had an impressive first year with very limited resources uh, as far as having eight players to work with. And uh, now that she's added some depth and brought some players back, uh, I think she could be in a position for, to have a really, really, really strong um, uh, second year. So uh, that's a program that, uh, you know, we 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 harp on a lot of uh, what has gone wrong at Rutgers. I think that's a program that serves some shine for uh, the things they've done. And uh, to go back to the negative side, baseball, uh, they're in a tough spot. They're going to have to win the Big Ten tournament to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they lost two or three games against Minnesota this past weekend, much like the basketball team uh, suffered a devastating loss to Minnesota and on the road, baseball lost two brutal games to Minnesota, who is one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Uh, so they're really a Big Ten tournament or bust to make it into the NCAA tournament in Steve Owens' um, third year, fourth year.
0: People so, play baseball in Minnesota. It's interesting. I they do. Guess
1: and they're not very good at it, but uh, good enough to beat Rutgers, I guess.
0: Okay. Well, there you go. All right. That's a good place to end. Uh, thanks to everyone to listening. Thanks to DevCo for sponsoring us and sponsoring a lot of the NID- NIL athletes. Um, appreciate you listening. We'll be back, I don't know, soon, eventually, hopefully with some uh, good news to talk about. Until then, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.